This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a massive earthquake hit Turkey and parts of Syria. Over 1,300 were killed and hundreds trapped. The death toll is expected to rise after a second quake struck. A derailed train is still wreaking havoc in East Palestine, Ohio. Officials fear a major explosion and possible deadly shrapnel up to a mile away. A Chinese spy balloon shot down over the weekend. Briefings are scheduled for U.S. Senators and the Gang of Eight. And former President Trump responds to claims the same thing happened three times on his watch. President Biden's student debt relief plan is back in the spotlight. Over 100 House Republicans and 43 senators signed legal briefs arguing against it. And it's tax filing season again, so we spoke to a tax professional to get some do's and don'ts to look out for when filing your taxes. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Monday, February 6th, and a powerful earthquake hit Turkey and northern Syria early this morning, killing over 1,300 people. Over 6,000 have been injured. Authorities expect the death toll to rise as rescue workers search the rubbles in cities and towns across the area. Here's NTD's Kost Temenes with the details. The 7.9 magnitude quake hit southern Turkey in the early hours of Monday morning. It reverberated through several provinces in the country, as well as in neighboring Syria. I was sleeping when my wife suddenly woke me up. The quake was very severe, very scary. We were hearing sounds from all over the place. It took almost two minutes until the shaking stopped. Hundreds of people were killed. Buildings were toppled. Over a dozen aftershocks followed for several minutes, the strongest measuring 6.6 according to Turkish authorities. With several thousand injured, the death toll is expected to rise. Rescue workers search the rubble in cities and towns across the area for survivors. There are people still trapped under rubble. I have a friend living in this apartment. His children were rescued from the top floor, but only his daughter broke an arm. We'll see what happened to those living on the ground floors. May God give us a speedy recovery. Turkish authorities declared a level 4 alarm, calling for international assistance. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan said on Twitter that search and rescue teams were immediately dispatched to affected areas. The U.S. Geological Survey said the quake's epicenter was about 20 miles from Gaziantep, near the Syrian border, at a depth of around 11 miles. Tremors could be felt in Lebanon, Cyprus and down as far as Egypt. Turkey is located on top of major fault lines. Earthquakes are frequent in the area. An earthquake that hit northwest Turkey in 1999 killed over 18,000 people. Kost MNS, NTD News. And we now have news that a second earthquake has struck Turkey. The latest quake had a magnitude of 7.5. It struck around noon local time. Officials fear it caused many more deaths. Oh, I feel for those people. Now back to the U.S.
A freight train derailed in Ohio Friday night, sparking a huge fire. Emergency crews are working to prevent a major explosion at the site. They fear it could shoot deadly shrapnel up to a mile away. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the story. Governor Mike DeWine is urging residents within one mile of the site to evacuate. Officials say a drastic temperature change has taken place in a rail car. This has further increased the potential of a dangerous explosion. The train was carrying hazardous materials when it derailed on Friday in East Palestine, Ohio. From what I've been told, the train crew was fine. Uh, it was 20, 20 odd cars back. Um, there's 50 cars involved. Uh, it didn't hit any structures. The crash ignited a massive inferno and concerns over air and water quality. As the fire continued to burn for a third night Sunday, the threat escalated. Officials are pleading with those who still remain in their homes near the crash site to evacuate quickly. Local officials say more than 500 people have declined to leave. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has activated the Ohio National Guard to deploy to the scene. Sheriff Brian McLaughlin warned there is a high probability of a toxic gas release. He urged people to remove their families from danger. The National Transportation Safety Board says 10 cars carrying hazardous materials derailed. Five were carrying vinyl chloride. The chemical is highly toxic, flammable, and carcinogenic. Investigators learned there was a mechanical failure warning before the crash. An emergency brake application was initiated. They were also able to identify the point of derailment. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Now under the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down over the weekend, underwater searches to recover the remains are underway. A full Senate classified briefing has been scheduled for February 15th. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more updates on the incident. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the briefing will include information about China's surveillance capabilities, research and development, and advanced weapon systems. He pushed back on criticism that the spy balloon should have been shot down sooner. Shooting down the surveillance balloon over water wasn't just the safest option, but it was the one that maximized our intel intelligence payload. The Gang of Eight is also expected to be briefed as soon as Tuesday. The group is made up of key intelligence committee members and top leaders from the House and Senate. A U.S. fighter jet shot the balloon down with a missile off the coast of South Carolina on Saturday. You know, it just popped and like above it, it was like confetti. Senior defense officials say the missile punctured the balloon when it was about six nautical miles off the coast near Myrtle Beach. Well within the 12 nautical miles of U.S. territory, the debris landed in 47 feet of water and spread out over several miles. Recovery operations included several ships and a salvage vessel. Officials say the balloon debris will be taken to an FBI lab for analysis. China is accusing the U.S. of overreacting. It claims the balloon was for weather research and had blown off course. Because it's a balloon, it can act with a certain impunity in this sense and has this plausible deniability saying that it's a weather balloon. And I think the statement that they were trying to make is that they are not okay with, with the U.S. foreign policy and this closeness between the U.S. and Taiwan. China's Ministry of Defense stated they reserve the right to use necessary means to deal with similar situations. It was certainly trying to make a statement and test the water and see how the U.S. would respond to this. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has postponed his planned trip to Beijing, saying conditions were not conducive for a constructive visit at this time. The presence of this surveillance balloon in U.S. airspace is a clear violation of U.S. sovereignty and international law. 
The Pentagon says a second Chinese spy balloon was detected flying over Latin America. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says at least three balloons went over portions of the U.S. during Trump's time as president. He made the statement at a press conference yesterday. Other officials made the same claims, including Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Here's Democratic Representative John Garamendi. This is not the first time this has happened. During the Trump administration, at least three times, these observation balloons transited uh, the U.S. territory probably Alaska as well as the Continental. We don't know. We were never told about that. There were no intelligence briefings during the Trump period about those three times in which this happened before. Trump says the alleged events are disinformation and never happened. He says if it did, they'd have been shot down immediately. He says the claims are being made, in his words, to take the heat of the Biden administration. Other officials are also refuting the claims. That includes a former Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, and John Bolton. Bolton was a national security advisor under Trump. Former Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, also refuted it. Ratcliffe says the, the American people can refute it for themselves. He asked, when did photographers and airline pilots talk about a spy balloon over the U.S. during the Trump administration? GOP Representative Michael Waltz says the Pentagon briefed Congress during the Trump administration on balloons that flew, flew near Texas and Florida, but he says there was no clarity on whether the incursions were on territorial waters or over land. President Biden's student debt cancellation plan is back in the spotlight. More than 100 House Republicans have signed a legal brief arguing against the debt relief. This as the Supreme Court is set to hear arguments on the case later this month. Representatives Virginia Fox and Jeff Duncan led 126 Republicans in filing the brief on Friday. 43 Republican senators also signed a separate legal brief. They are criticizing the administration's use of the HEROES Act to cancel student loan debt. The law allows the federal government to forgive student loan debt in times of national emergency. Six states have filed a lawsuit against the policy. They argue that they will lose tax revenue as a result of the plan. The administration has argued that the states do not have standing to sue. Europe is taking another step towards cutting energy ties with Russia. A ban on imports of diesel fuel and other crude oil products from Russian refineries took effect yesterday. Last week, EU governments agreed to set a $100 price cap per barrel on sales of Russian diesel to non-Western countries. The aim is to reduce Russia's income but avoid a global shortage which would cause the price to skyrocket. The price cap applies to Russian diesel and other fuels that sell for more than the crude oil used to make them. EU officials agreed on a $45 per barrel limit on Russian oil products that sell for less than the price of crude. Europe has been steadily reducing its diesel supplies from Russia from around half of all imports. Diesel is a crucial factor for world economies as it powers cars and trucks carrying goods, as well as farm equipment and factory machinery. They've already stopped accepting from December any crude oil in Europe. So this is big. There was a, you know, a couple million barrels a day of diesel that was coming in from Russia, and they're giving up on all of it. Once it's seen that this is really in place and the West is you know, serious about it, that tells people in Saudi Arabia, UAE, and many other countries there's going to be a market. Let's start investing in producing more oil. And over time, you'll be able to 
eliminate the Russian oil. They'll squeeze their price. Every three months, they'll review it. That's the plan. Analysts say if the price cap works as intended and Russian diesel keeps flowing, fuel prices should not be too heavily affected. But while Europe can find alternative supplies of diesel, Russia could seek new customers outside Europe. Now going over to Hong Kong, the trial of 16 pro-democracy activists began today. The defendants are charged with conspiracy to commit subversion. That's under a vague national security law imposed by Beijing. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg reports. It's Hong Kong's largest national security law trial since Beijing imposed its sweeping legislation after massive protests in 2019. The law criminalizes vaguely defined acts of secession, subversion, terrorism, and collusion with foreign forces. 47 pro-democracy activists were arrested in a raid in January 2021. They were charged with conspiracy to commit subversion for participating in an unofficial primary election organized by democracy supporters in 2020. Some of them have been detained without bail for nearly two years. We think this is political repression. All those arrested should be released. Prosecutors accuse them of plotting to paralyze Hong Kong's government. The 16 defendants are those who pleaded not guilty. Among them are former lawmakers Lung Kwok Hung and Lam Chuk Ting and former journalist Gwyneth Ho. Ho documented much of the protests in 2019 and live-streamed a violent attack at Yuenlong Station. That's when a gang of men in white shirts indiscriminately hit people, many who were returning from a protest with sticks and metal bars. Ho herself was beaten for filming the attack. Her footage got international attention and showed a lack of police presence. She later stepped away from journalism to run for the 2020 Legislative Council elections. The defendants face sentences of up to life in prison if convicted. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Disney has cut a Simpsons episode from its streaming service in Hong Kong. It contains a reference to forced labor camps in China. The episode is titled One Angry Lisa. In it, Marge Simpson is shown images of China's Great Wall during an exercise class. Her instructor says, behold, the wonders of China, Bitcoin mines and forced labor camps where children make smartphones. The West has long accused the CCP of human rights abuses. These include the use of forced labor in internment camps, as well as forced organ harvesting against Falun Gong practitioners and other persecuted groups. Disney removed a Simpsons episode in 2021 when it first launched its Hong Kong service. It referenced the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre. And coming up, Elon Musk was found not liable in a lawsuit alleging he misled Tesla shareholders. A jury has ruled unanimously in Musk's favor in a case involving a 2018 tweet. And it's tax filing season, so we spoke to a tax professional to get some do's and don'ts on tax filing. That's when we come back. Welcome back. Elon Musk was found not liable in a lawsuit alleging he misled Tesla shareholders. A jury has ruled unanimously in Musk's favor in the case involving a 2018 tweet. That's when Musk said he would take Tesla private and had secured funding. Tesla shareholders had been claiming billions in damages. Here's one of their lawyers, Adam Apton, after the verdict. We're disappointed. We're examining options. Yeah, we're considering what and, we're doing. Uh, very disappointed. Yeah. Thank you, guys. The plaintiffs claimed Musk had misled them when he tweeted on August 7, 2018, that he was considering taking the company private at $420 per share. 
That was a premium of about 23% above the previous day's close. He also said he had funding secured. Later that day, Musk, now also Twitter's CEO, had tweeted, investor support is confirmed. Plaintiffs claimed that was a lie. Tesla's stock price soared after the tweets and then fell again after August 17th as it became clear the buyout would not happen. An economist hired by shareholders had calculated investor losses as high as $12 billion. Lawyers for the investors argued that Musk was not above the law and should be held liable for the tweets. But Musk's lawyer had countered that though the funding secured tweet was technically inaccurate, investors had only cared that Musk was considering a buyout. Just because it's a bad tweet doesn't make it fraud, he said during closing arguments. The jury came back with a unanimous verdict in Musk's favor roughly two hours after beginning deliberations. Shares of Tesla rose 1.6% in after-hours trading following the verdict. Musk was not present in court but tweeted that he was deeply appreciative and that the wisdom of the people had prevailed. It's time again. We're all scrambling to get our numbers in order to send to the IRS. But what are the changes this year and what are some of the deductions that many tend to overlook? I spoke to a tax professional to ask for some advice. Joining me now is Daniel Geltrude. He is a managing partner at Geltrude and Company. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Well, first things first, I want to start with some do's and don'ts. So can you please start by telling me, sharing some of those when it comes to doing taxes? Sure. And, and you know, the do's are very basic. For example, check your math on things. You'd be surprised how many times addition errors are made. So you want to double check that. Second thing make sure you stay organized because when you have your paperwork all over the place things are bound to be missed so you always want to organize all of your tax information of course when you're filing your tax return one of the things that you always want to be careful about is your filing status single married head of household married filing separately all those things very much matter. And then, of course, um, you want to make sure that you're filing online. That is the best way to file your tax returns. Right. And are there any, you know, deductions that maybe are often overlooked, but people, you think that people should definitely include? Yes, absolutely. So, for example, those out-of-pocket charitable contributions. You want to make sure that you're keeping track of all of those charitable deductions. Student loan interest is another one. Moving expenses, child and dependent uh, care credits, the earned income tax credit. These are all deductions and credits that are available to people and many times they tend to be overlooked. And when you overlook these things, you are giving the government extra money. That's not what we want to do. I'm sure very little people want that. So good point. And let's talk about this year in particular. Are, is there any big changes that we should pay attention to? Well, 
the changes aren't uh, as big as they have been in prior years, but there are some changes. For example, the standard deductions are larger than they were last year. Uh, the income tax brackets have shifted in terms of where you hit different tax rates. The child uh, care tax credit is smaller. And here's another one. The uh, There is no more $300 uh, allowed uh, charitable um, tax deduction. That went away. So in order to be able to take a, a charitable deduction, you must be itemizing your deductions. Mm. Let's take a moment for those people that are filing taxes for the first time. It can be a scary thing. So any words of advice for them to make their lives easier? You know, I really would recommend, especially if it's your first time, having a seasoned tax professional file your tax returns. And I understand that people may be saying, well, I don't want to spend that money on tax preparation. But the thing about it is, is you want to make sure you get your taxes right. You don't want to, so to speak, leave any money on the table. So it's, it's never a bad idea, especially right out of the box, to make sure you're filing your taxes properly and only paying the taxes that you are due to pay and nothing extra. Mm. Very good advice. So thank you so much, Daniel Geltrude. I appreciate it today. Thank you. Coming up, temperatures reached record lows at Mount Washington this weekend with temperatures below what has been recorded on Mars. Stay with us for more. The annual Lantern Festival is back in New Taipei City. Hundreds of people came together to light up the sky. That and more after the break. Good to have you back with us. Scientists at Mount Washington Observatory encountered dangerously cold temperatures this weekend. The record-setting wind chill brought sub-zero temperatures that were colder than Mars. A minus 108-degree wind chill was recorded on the summit of Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Scientists recorded an actual temperature of minus 47 that tied an observatory record set in 1934 and a wind gust of 127 miles per hour. The National Weather Service reported wind chills dropped to as low as minus 45 to minus 50 degrees across the rest of the region. The observatory at the peak of the Northeast's highest mountain is famous for its extreme weather conditions. The coming week could see more record-breaking cold. Visitors that plan to head into the White Mountains have been advised to be prepared and check weather forecasts for the area. Taiwan's night sky was lit up with paper lanterns on Sunday. Hundreds gathered to celebrate the Lunar New Year and the start of the Year of the Rabbit. The annual Lantern Festival took place in, in New Taipei City, a celebration of blessings that has been held for 34 years. Dozens of lanterns were released and soared into the night sky. The festival marks the end of the 15-day celebration of Lunar New Year. This year's festival is the first large-scale international event since Taiwan reopened its borders after the pandemic. When everyone releases it at the same time, I don't know, like tangled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's so pretty. Yeah, because I, I always see, uh, I always saw that in the movies when they bring like all at the same time all the lanterns. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, that will be so unique. And I remember that 
I saw that when I was a, a child, and I have never uh, thought about like seeing, uh, seeing it in person. That's really pretty, isn't it? It is. It's so pretty. And you know, apparently this particular festival, though, was created by the Taiwanese Tourism Bureau. The original actually dates back way further um, from when the monks would light them up to honor Buddha. Really? Wow. Rescue efforts continue for Flacco the Owl. He escaped from Central Park Zoo in New York City last week. New Yorkers have spotted the Eurasian Eagle Owl several times since he broke free on Thursday. He's been seen flying on Fifth Avenue and in Central Park. A bird expert from Manhattan warns that Flacco cannot survive on his own in the wild. Many bird watchers say they're concerned. The owl refuses to eat any of the food park rangers left out to try to coax him down from the trees. Flacco cannot survive on his own in the wild. Flacco has been in captivity at the Central Park Zoo for over 12 years. If Flacco had any hunting skills prior to coming to the Central Park Zoo, he has lost them. Oh, poor guy. I hope he's being rescued soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a zoo official says it appears someone vandalized Flacco's enclosure, and that's what allowed the bird to escape. Oh, that's terrible. All right, that's it for today. You can write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if you have any stories you'd like to share or feedback. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.